0: Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray.
1: Welcome back everyone this is maximum health radio quality living with yours truly dr ken gray holistic physician thank you for joining us every friday at 7 p.m eastern standard on 88.9 fm wqcs and of course everywhere on apple itunes podcast as well as the public radio exchange um thank you for your support and uh, please if you've missed any of our past shows which have been numerous at this point go back and uh you'll see that there's something for everyone and uh, very enriching a new guest every week and uh we're fortunate to be doing what we do here at Maximum Health Radio. Um, today's guest is Dr. Lewis Pena. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for inviting me, Dr. Yes, and he hails from the Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Disorders Institute of South Florida, and there's a few reasons why we're talking with him today uh, besides a new amazing monitor for respiratory health and exactly. awareness. Uh, we will get a little background and sort of talks the current state of respiratory health, um, which, you know, I'm sure at this point we all have loved ones and friends that suffer from COPD, emphysema, all sorts of things. There's, uh, there's also been a lot of uh, talk in the news with the vaping and the, the, the respiratory health connected to that what uh, people are seeing maybe some misconceptions misinformation or some real facts from a real doctor uh, that is dealing with this on a day-to-day basis <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> right very much. so these are all things that we do here at maximum health and we thank you for uh, joining us today so let's get started with question dr. Lewis Pena how long have you been doing this I finished training in pulmonary medicine in 2011 mm-hmm. I
0: also I am trained in critical care medicine and I have background in internal medicine
1: before mm-hmm. that. Okay. So a little bit of everything which is good. That's important. It's not just the lungs but the whole body. It's a holistic approach in a way. Yes, yes, from a medical doctor perspective. Um and, and what brought you into it? Why why? What drew you to pulmonary health in particular? Well, I am asthmatic
0: myself, so I used to deal with health problems since I was little, and I established a lot of empathy with my patients with chronic lung conditions ever Mm. since I was training in medical school in Mm Colombia, and, um, you know, eventually I got involved, and and I I chose as a
1: a career path because of that reason. Mm. Do you find your path also taking you closer to children's health now? Well... You know, um, even though
0: there is a lot of information in the media and all that, especially mm. with the vaping and the kids and yeah. all that, we uh, are doctors for adults. We see patients mm. 18 years and older. Mm-hmm. But in many instances, you get asked in the community sure, and people sure. have a lot of awareness. And unfortunately, these problems are happening in kids as time goes by.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there is there is some role in mm-hmm. that uh, regards. So, obviously, there's... Uh, I can hear our audience thinking and um, considering now there's all sorts of things, obviously we're going to talk vaping, there's also environmental concerns, because as the air, quality of air changes all over, that changes the way our respiratory system is reacting. So are you seeing more complaints of asthma, COPD? We definitely Uh,
0: see more patients with more chronic lung conditions mm. in densely populated cities Mm. with uh, high levels of pollution. And um, that is more prevalent outside of the United States, but we still see it in the U.S. in okay. large cities like New York, Chicago. Yeah. Um, I don't think we see it in, in South Florida as much, mm-hmm. but uh, we have people coming uh, and going all around the world yeah. here. So,
1: Yeah, medical tourism is big here. We're a big medical tourism state where people travel from other places to come here for specialties. Absolutely. Um, so let's break down some of these pulmonary Uh, diseases. Mm -hmm. Mm, Let's talk COPD. Let's break that down. For instance, our audience knows what that is. COPD stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary
0: disease Mm -hmm. and is essentially a chronic lung condition when the airflow is limited and it is fixed over time, which means it's not intermittent as opposed to asthma. So the 85% of the cases, are caused by cigarette smoking, but then there is Mm. a 15% of the cases which are chronic asthmatic patients who develop chronic obstruction of the airflow over time from poorly controlled asthma, and there is a minority of patients who can also develop COPD from exposure to biomass fuels Mm. in third world countries, or exactly what you are mentioning, which is uh, cities uh, with high levels of air pollution. can can cause these problems.
1: And for COPD, where have you seen the treatments? Have they changed from the time that you started <coughs> to now? Because we're about to hit 2020, so that's almost a decade that you've been seeing cases. In-
0: Absolutely, in pulmonary medicine, we had seen uh, not too many changes during the first part of the 2000s, but then during the last 15 years, Mm -hmm. the technology of the medical devices that are used to uh, take medications have changed a lot. People Mm -hmm. have active lifestyles. Uh, 25 years ago, you'd have to use a nebulized treatment three or four times a day. And nobody has time for that. Mm. Everyone uh, wants to take their therapy and move on with their life and with their day. Right. And we have many more people who are active in the, in the workforce these days. So um, these days we have medications that you just take one puff once a day and mm. you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, um, there has been uh, a lot of... Um, Development of biologic therapies for patients uh, who, in addition to COPD, have also asthma Mm -hmm. and have a component of um, a specific phenotype called eosinophilic asthma. So we have uh, ways to modulate the immune system so that uh, the asthma control is better. Particularly in COPD, Mm. we have uh, technologies that involve bronchoscopy with placement of endobronchial valves and kind of decrease the volume of the upper section of the lungs. That's that used to be called lung volume reduction surgery, but now it's done in a non-invasive manner, kind of like improving the dynamics of the airflow through the lungs and recruiting the areas that are more functional and kind of like de-recruiting the areas that are less functional. Right. And then on the other hand um, well lung transplant has been there for years and, but that has also evolved tremendously Yeah. Um, and, um, and now we have uh, essentially home monitoring uh, systems that we are implementing uh, using artificial intelligence to try to right. decrease the um, uh, hospital admissions right. on a day-to-day So day. the home
1: monitoring system we're definitely going to get to, but I want to talk about one another aspect of pulmonary ha- uh, Emphysema. Let's talk about that. What's Absolutely. W- how does that work with what you do and where is the <coughs> treatments? So emphysema
0: is essentially a, a, condi- a, a type of COPD where mm-hmm. the lung parenchyma uh, Suffers arch- architectural changes due to the effect of uh, cigarette smoke on the lungs, especially the destruction of the upper section of the lungs, right. and there is development of these uh, structures called blebs, which are like large uh, air spaces in the in the air in the um, right. upper section of the lungs. And when patients develop emphysema, they typically uh, experience significant uh, shortness of breath and abnormality in their quality of life. Mm. Their day-to-day activities are uh, limited to a great degree from shortness of breath. A good amount of those patients also use oxygen because their oxygen levels uh, drop over time, so uh, they have to uh, be dependent on an oxygen tank or an oxygen concentrator machine. Right. Um, And then the mainstay of therapy besides oxygen is inhaled bronchodilators, which is essentially aerosol treatments that are used with a canister device. Um, But also we have other therapies aimed to prevent the development of uh, acute exacerbations of those conditions of specifically lung emphysema, Mm -hmm. such as, for example, yearly vaccination with your influenza vaccine, your flu shot, Mm -hmm. um, your pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine, uh, and um, we have other therapies like um, pulmonary rehabilitation programs, which are uh, exercise programs specifically tailored for patients with chronic conditions, COPD specifically and and then we have the interventional therapies in selected patients like the placement
1: of endobronchial bulbs okay which, yeah. so now we have those two main areas of, of pulmonary <coughs> disease tell me a little bit about what the current state of vaping which is different than obviously smoking and, uh... natural substances with chemicals like cigarettes there's vaping which is different because it's a vapor but it has created a new paradigm of pulmonary health concerns, so Absolutely. describe that.
0: So vaping has caused some changes in the lung parenchyma in specific circumstances, especially when patients use the vaping devices with uh, products associated with uh, THC, mm-hmm. uh, which um, is one of the molecular components of, of cannabinoids or marijuana. Right. Uh, but um, those particles contain a molecule related to vitamin E, which causes some changes in the lung parenchyma that that are described as lipoid pneumonitis. Uh, And of course, there is a wide range of pathologic findings that are still evolving and are really being studied to a a very deep level at, at many in many parts of the country. Right. But uh, at this point, it seems like uh, there is uh, some relationship between t- the uh, vaping of THC mm-hmm. containing products and these changes. And ultimately, this fancy term, lipoid pneumonitis, mm-hmm. uh, translates into shortness of breath, the inability of doing any activity without using oxygen, Mm -hmm. and uh, essentially chronic disability
1: from chronic respiratory
0: insufficiency.
1: So so to my understanding, and I don't want to detract from what you're saying with THC, because I think the therapies involving THC and and CBD are so far-reaching that um, it seems that vaping and the mechanism itself is the problem more than the actual THC. This is still a matter of. of, uh, (laughs) This is (laughs) truly controversial and and a matter of uh, extensive research. Got it. So, so in layman's terms, someone takes a vaping mechanism and starts smoking, whether it's from the store and it's nicotine based or all these different chemicals, all and they start inhaling it. What is uh, uh, if you can give us a visual explanation of what is happening in the lungs?
0: Essentially, there is
1: inflammation.
0: Okay, and that inflammation okay. is uh, somewhat linked to the development of deposits of micro drops of fat uh-huh. in, the, in the alveolar spaces. Okay, And that inflammation turns into uh, changes in the architecture of the lung and yeah. turns into uh, vast amount of different symptoms from shortness of breath, to cough, to sputum production. Um, And eventually
1: to heaviness, of course, which mimics pneumonia.
0: Correct. And it can be as severe Mm -hmm. as a patient in an intensive care unit, depending on an artificial ventilator to be able to breathe. And, in fact, we already had the first case of lung transplant yeah. um, uh, that came out of Detroit, Michigan. Due uh, to a patient. Related to vaping. Vaping. So, at this point,
1: the CDC really recommends abstaining from vaping. Vaping, period. Correct. No matter what the, the substance in there is. Correct. Now, yeah, the way I explain to my patients, and this may help for some of our listeners, is the lungs are like blood of butterfly wing tissue. <laughs> they are very light and fluffy. And they need a clear fluid going through. They need oxygen. They need to maintain this sort of lightness and fluffiness. When we put things in there that weigh it down, and we have certain toxins that accumulate, they become heavy, clogged, and the ability to breathe, especially to the lower areas of the lungs, becomes more difficult right? Absolutely. And so we do not bring health and blood flow and oxygen to those lower tissues, which then as the time goes on, it gets the lungs capacity becomes less and less. And then of course, we have these, as you're talking about fat deposits and all that, that add to it. Phlegm. Phlegm is used to be nice, clear fluid that now becomes toxic fluid. Correct. Yes. So now we have people that need monitoring, especially in our elderly community. And so this there's some geniuses that got together <laughs> and created this portable technology that you are now bringing to, thankfully, our state of Florida. That's correct. Tell us about this technology. These are
0: called the uh, Spire Health Tags. And okay. these Spire, are
1: cor- S-P-I-R-E. Correct.
0: Okay. And they are nothing but tags that you put on your clothes. Right. It can be... Um, on your underwear, the ladies on their bride has to be in contact with the upper, the, f- the, the frontal part of your body. Yes. And they contain uh, a number of sensors. One of those is that an accelerometer and the other one is um, a detector of your heart rate using infrared technology. And what it does is um, it is going to transmit the person's, not only the heart rate, but also the respiratory rate. Right. And uh, it can actually identify when the person's sleeping. It's it's incredibly accurate. Mm. In fact, if you have the screen of the monitor in front of you and you take a deep breath, you're going to see the wave of your breathing with a incredible accuracy. Yeah. So these people are developing algorithms uh, that use interf- in um, artificial intelligence to determine the patterns of breeding of people. And it kind of learns, it, is, it learns as it goes, and it learns not only for different populations, but for individuals, uh, what's, what's Dr. Gray's pattern of breeding. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, when the person develops a respiratory infection or when the person starts developing a common cold, then that pattern of breathing is going to change and the algorithm is going to notify us and and tell us this patient is not breathing as they usually do. And we are going to start calling that patient and trying to get in contact with them, getting them into the office and hopefully avoiding a hospital admission, and right. most importantly, uh, you know, worsening of the condition of that patient. Sure. So it's a way to improve people's lives, most importantly, but also to, hel- uh, to save health care dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and the
1: biggest concern would seem that when a patient is sleeping, because that's when things can go wrong and then loved ones aren't able to quickly administer care, or that patient is just unaware of the fact that their breathing has changed so rapidly that they can go into a state of, you know, Absolutely,
0: and I, yeah. I'm glad you bring it up because mm. it's important to differentiate uh, a medical alert system from these yes, systems. Yes, yes, these are, these are not medical alert systems no. because the system is going to identify the pattern of breathing over the period of hours. Right. It's not going
1: to identify a patient who has a certain right. uh, cardiac arrest or a collapse. It can uh, see an escalation. It can see a change over correct. time. And it can measure stress, right? Because we have uh, many different stresses. We can be anxious in our sleep. We can be anxious while awake. But there's a level which is unacceptable. Absolutely. And this is through the artificial intelligence is able to exactly and that's why the
0: algorithm is meant to be uh, is meant to learn the patient's patterns Mm -hmm. because of course there there is more than one reason that can alter your breathing pattern and Mm -hmm. you know eventually we have some of these patients uh, perform physical exercise when Mm -hmm. they are doing their pulmonary rehabilitation programs Mm -hmm or they do exercise on their own but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right there might be an episode of emotional stress yeah but <coughs>
1: yeah i don't so want anyone calling me during my workout <laughs> Co- correct are you okay exactly no, i'm in the middle of my workout get off the phone so yeah. we are capable of telling the the computer
0: system only alert me if this yeah. pattern has been ongoing for more than 3 hours got it so things like that so mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then like I said, this, sh- this sleep has got to be the most because you know, we're seeing even y- young uh, individuals dying in their sleep uh, due to irregularities, probably through drug uh, taking or histories of health concerns. Um, and it would seem that it could have been prevented if these patterns were monitored during their sleep. Absolutely, there are a,
0: a vast uh, array of applications. that yes. we could potentially um, start to explore because uh, the only real fact is technology is evolving and is becoming more and more part of our daily life. And um, if we can simplify some things or or achieve better outcomes by using it, Mm. uh, I think we should.
1: Yeah. Now, let's speak about that technology because there may be some interest from listeners to say, okay, I want to use this, but uh, what are the particulars? How big in, in, in measurement would it be, would you say?
0: This device measures less than an inch than by an inch. Uh, about half an inch. Okay. and Half an inch by less than an inch. So correct. So that's pretty small. And it's pretty flat. It's yeah. not uh, thicker than an SD card or mm-hmm. maybe... Uh, one and a half the thickness of an SD card. Brilliant. So yeah. um, and, and that
1: then adheres to a clothing, a thin piece of clothing that you wear regularly, like underwear or something.
0: Correct. You okay. uh, you on a piece of clothing yeah. and then you forget about it. That's Essentially so. it has a battery that lasts uh, about a year to a year and a half.
1: Does it have to stay on that particular piece of clothing and can it be removed and put onto different pieces?
0: It yeah. has an adhesive which is okay. very strong and okay. it once it gets uh, stuck, uh, stuck there it will not yeah. be removed. So you uh, got to pick a piece of
1: clothing or underwear that you're going to use regularly.
0: We we have sets of uh, packs of eight. so you Packs of eight. Oh, correct. multiple clothing. So, correct. Okay, got it. So you, so it. you use, uh, you know, they have studied this and they have noticed that even people who have 20 pieces of underwear, yeah. they, there is a number of eight that yeah, typically, typically sit on yeah. the top of the door. Sure, sure. And those I'm, are I'm one, one of those people. people. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, and once you put it on, yeah. you can put that piece of clothing in the washer and in the dryer. Yeah. You just have to wear it. And, that's and I read it.
1: that it lasts a year. So uh, the battery lasts. Correct. A year, yeah. year and a half. Okay. All right. And then, they, then there's monitoring. And you take care of the monitoring out of the Office of the Pulmonary Critical Care Sleep Disorders Institute. Institute. Correct. All right. That's easy. <laughs> no brainer. Um, c- insurance covers?
0: So far, uh, Medicare is covering this service. Mm -hmm. The patient has no copay whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically, our experience has been that once Medicare assumes a technology, Most of our insurers and
1: players in the healthcare system uh, jump on. Okay. So now in my medicine, which is holistic, so much is done with acupuncture and diet and all of that to help with preventive care as well as supportive care. What components do you see being as important in prevention of some of these major pulmonary diseases? Because obviously, you know, you talked, you touched on prevention a little bit, you touched on exercise. Absolutely. What are the priorities that you try to discuss with your patients? Patients
0: with chronic lung conditions deal with a lot of depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. Mm. They deal with a lot of insomnia. Yeah. These patients uh, have sometimes social isolation due to the inability to do activities that yeah. are very social. Yes. And some of them have to use oxygen, which essentially creates a stigma of a person with a chronic illness, and, and some people don't want to go around with their friends with yeah. uh, oxygen this on. This is so true. So there is much more than just prescribing an inhaler. Yeah. In the reality, these people deal with a lot of uh, real-life problems mm-hmm. that get only worse when you have a chronic condition that limits the amount yeah. of activity that you can do.
1: Especially with their spouses absolutely ones, yeah.
0: yeah so and then people don't want to be a burden to their family yeah. and the society but mostly due to their family yeah. so it creates um, in some instances a state of isolation and yeah. depression and that um, can worsen uh, you know the, the health condition at such you know
1: so preventative and supportive care would you say exercise if yes. whenever possible I even recommend sometimes chair yoga because sometimes when they're with the oxygen and everything, they say, how do you want me to do yoga, Dr. Ken?" Well, there's chair yoga where you're sitting and then your upper body is at least moving Absolutely. through yoga poses. And at least that moves the circulation in the yoga. And they always feel better upper, upper body. Exercise is
0: as effective as medication, improving patients' quality of life in patients with chronic lung conditions and especially with COPD. That's a strong so statement. Is, yeah. And yeah. it used to be recommended for patients with severe and very severe COPD. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays is recommended to for patients with all stages yes. of
1: COPD. Yes, yes. And with the depression it's got to help to be in a social setting where people are sitting and moving and meditating and keeping positive thoughts and you know working on your breath technique. Absolutely. Because pe- some people never learn how to breathe. No, that right? is true. <laughs> Unless you sing in a choir or you're a dancer, you know, or do yoga regularly, there's there's many people that never learn how to breathe anyway. And so they're more susceptible to pulmonary disease. So these things should be recommended. Absolutely. Um, How do we get in touch with the Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Disorders Institute and you, Dr. Pena?
0: Well, we have three of his locations in West Palm Beach, Wellington, and Atlantis. And we have a website, which is Mm pcsifl.com. We are on Facebook. We can be reached easily on Google. Um, Our phone number is uh, 561-967-4118. And... um, uh all the information that it uh,
1: would be required it's, it's available there yeah so and i just want to uh, i want to reiterate that website www.pcsifl.com. Dot dot com. yes
0: we also provide services of sleep medicine mm-hmm. so patients with sleep apnea mm-hmm. um chronic insomnia or chronic uh conditions related to their sleep mm-hmm. um uh, which are very, very prevalent these right. days. Um,
1: uh, very, like yes. We I see we a lot of patients with that. We can definitely yeah. Um, yeah. help. And again, it goes back to exercise, diet, all these things are very much important part of prevention and also if you've been diagnosed being part of your...
0: They're all interrelated. Yeah, your in cure <laughs> or,
1: or, or survival. So, yes, I, I really appreciate you coming, reiterating these very amazing and important points. Thank you, Dr. Pena. Thank you very much. This has been a tremendous Maximum Health Quality Living. If you missed any portion of it, it's on uh, the Public Radio Exchange as well as Apple iTunes Podcasts. And, of course, you can find us um, on all the major uh, the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. For the next Star Summit Talk, Science, Technology, Healing Arts, Renaissance, we ask the question, where are we now with our relationship to love, our relationship to intimacy, to marriage, and to teenagers? It will take place at the Norton Museum of Art on Saturday, February 8, 2020, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Our panelists for this amazing and timely Star Summit Talk include Chrissy DeShiel, contemporary jazz, soul, R&B, songwriter, singer on Relationship to Love, Nicole Prouss, American Neuroscientist on Relationship to Intimacy. Dr. Russell Bourne, clinical psychologist on relationship to marriage, Ruthie Steinberg, Supreme Court certified licensed mental health counselor on relationship to teenagers. You can get your tickets now via eventbrite.com. They're 2350. We look forward to seeing you there. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen.